Cyclone Nation, what's up? Welcome to a new installment of the Off the Record podcast series here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. What does off the record mean, you ask? Well, clearly we're on the record. You don't need to be a smart aleck about that. We know what we're doing. The whole theory of it is you try and get these guys and gals to let loose a little bit, have some fun. This isn't a buttoned-up press conference. You don't have cameras around, nothing like that. And Matt Campbell joins me just about every year at this time. I sat down with him and talked a lot of football theory, leadership, that type of deal. Talk a lot about the upcoming NFL draft. Uh, If you're a football junkie, you're really going to love this upcoming podcast. And, of course, it's presented by the Iowa Clinic and the Iowa Clinic Men's Center. They present the Off the Record podcast here. Man, how many years now? Two, three years, something like that. Hey, it's vasectomy season. You thinking about it? Too many kids? Don't want any more? Don't want to have to worry about it? Let me encourage you to knock that out around March Madness with our friends at the Iowa Clinic, the Iowa Clinic Men's Center, the the vasectomies. uh, it's, It's a hot time of year to be doing that. Also, flu shots. We're a little bit past that, but the urgent care, the flu's still around. They get the urgent care all around the metro. Remember our friends at the Iowa Clinic and the Iowa Clinic Men's Center. I also want to give a shout-out to our Cyclone Fanatic, our annual football party, football recruiting party, uh, where our special guests, potentially this guy who I'm about to talk to, will be with us at the venue district in Ankeny, right next to Whiskey River. That is coming up a week from Thursday, February 28th. 7 o'clock. I think we're going to be giving away some tickets, all sorts of fun stuff that night. So please get to Ankeny on February 28th for our Cyclone Fanatic recruiting party. That's coming up. Uh, I think it's our 10th annual one. Crazy that we've been doing it for that long. All right, let's get to the interview with Matt Campbell. Before we do that, we'll hear a word from one of our sponsors and uh, then my exclusive off-the-record podcast with Iowa State head football coach Matt Campbell. Hey guys, it's Chris Williams letting you know about Mechdyne IT Help Desk Services. Started by Iowa State graduates and diehard Cyclone fanatics over 22 years ago. Mechdyne's onshore team of U.S.-based experts provide quality IT support around the clock. After hours, IT support can be hit and miss, but Mechdyne offers a lot more than just answering service during your non-core hours. You'll actually receive the same level of IT support no matter what time of day you contact them. They space out your organization's IT team from those routine support tasks so that you can focus on growing your business. As a trusted consultant, bringing fresh ideas and cost-effective solutions to many day-to-day headaches of routine IT user support, check out mechdyne.com. That's M-E-C-H-D-Y-N-E.com. All right, guys. um, We're up here at the Iowa State football offices today, and I was just telling Coach Campbell, I'm a little bit jaded. I didn't even really want to come here today because I applied for the offensive coordinator position, and I didn't even get a call back. What, what, what is up with that? 
Well, you know, that's a, it's a great point on your end, and, and, and the reality of it is I gave you a great opportunity last fall to come in here, and, you know, there was, there was a point in time we kept going and watching film, and you wanted to get home, you know, and so, you know, you were, you were I, awesome about it, I, but, but you did leave early. I was one of the last guys to leave. You were, but you left early. No, was, nobody of that offensive staff left. There was only like four guys left when I left. Yeah, I know. The defensive guys were out. The offensive guys were still grinding. Yeah. That's kind of how it seems like around here. No, no. I, I love my defensive guys. Th- those defensive guys, they got to figure it out so they can go home a little bit earlier. That um, that was an eye-opening deal. I'd like to do that again if that's okay. Yeah, we'd love to have you. It, but I, I feel like, because I've been, ta- I was telling you about this like offensive class that I've been taking. Yeah. Um, I feel like you need to let me give my opinion a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. We'll give you a voice in that room. <laughs> you know, not just sitting in the back. We'll give you a voice. I, uh. So I have a theory. I want to get to some non-Iowa State stuff, but yeah. I wanted to talk to you because I texted you about this a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I have a theory on your running game. Yeah. I've been thinking long and hard about this. Right. So I've been watching all the games back. I, I love David Montgomery. Yeah. We all love David Montgomery. What are you, top, uh, top first three picks, first three rounds? Yeah. For I, sure. I, I right. think, you know, a lot of it's going to how's he running the how's he running the combine will be big. I think that's yeah. certainly a question that I've heard from a what, lot of like people. What, like 40? Yeah, from his 40. And, you know, unfortunately, that's that's a thing at that spot. Yeah. You know, I think anything below a 4.6 is he'll he'll do himself well. But I think the thing that people love about David and, and really the feedback that we've gotten even at the beginning of all of this is he does he does all things really well. He runs it well. He catches out of the backfield really well. And certainly he's got the ability to block. He's an every down back. And I think that's a big thing at that level. And David certainly got the ability. And he can even, I think if he runs well, he could even put himself as being the first back taken. And I know the competitor nice. David is. You know, it's going to be really interesting over the next month and a half to two months where things start to get really serious of, you know, where does he put himself and, and what advantages does he give himself over the other guys in the draft? Okay, so my theory here, and I, I, I know that you somewhat agree with me, but you can put it into better words than I can, is that assuming your offensive line continues to improve, right. which it did last year, right. especially when you go back and watch the games again, I think it's a lot more clear. Yeah. Will it be um, – is it fair to say that the whole scheme can change because David was such a improvising type of running back and these other guys are more downhill and that you're going to have an offensive line that's more capable of it and you have a running quarterback now? Right. Not necessarily a running quarterback, but a guy who I feel like you can be aggressive with out on the edge with Brock. Well, you know, I think you, if you if you even go back to the season and – you know, let, let's let's even rewind when we got here. You know, we got here, and I think David was the perfect running back for Iowa State football at the perfect time. David is is an elite improviser, and, you know, he's a guy that was almost a single-wing quarterback coming out of high school. Yeah. So true reads, his ability to bounce the football, improvising, that's what he did best on his high school film, and he really carried that into the running back position. And sometimes that can frustrate you if you're an offensive line that is allowing true downhill reads to develop and exist. Yeah. Well, for the first two years, I, I'm not hiding anything, and I don't think anybody else would either. You know, what we were best at on the offensive line was 
our best thing was to cover people up. We weren't really moving anybody. We were just trying to cover people up and give David the opportunity to do what he did best. And that's, you know, improvise and run the football. Well, if you if you look at the Oklahoma State game, starting at that Oklahoma State game this year for us. That's the one that was the eye-opening experience for me, yeah. re-watching it. Well, you see that, number one now, the threat of the quarterback, even just the threat of the quarterback pulling the football and running with it, it immediately gave the offensive line the advantage again. And I think that's really big to know. And, and that that was huge. But the second thing is that offensive line, especially when you really go back and study the left guard, the center, and the right guard, yeah, and their ability to move people. Because really, for the first two years, interior-wise, we've we have been very average. Yeah. Well, I think Colin Knowles' development, he's only going to get better. Um, Colin Olson was a huge piece because he started. That's where he came into the into the picture in that game. And then really, you know, I, I think Josh Kniffel is, is really, in my opinion, one of the best interior offensive linemen in the country. NFL guy? Uh, for sure. Yeah. You know, and I, I think he can only help himself. And if you really start to watch that growth and you see the Oklahoma State game, then into West Virginia and then into Texas Tech, into Baylor, well, all of a sudden we're running the football and we're moving people. And, you know, I, I think that that's the first time that happened. And even in that Oklahoma State game, that's where Sheldon's playing. That's where Kane's playing. And we're running the ball between the tackles north and south as good as we ever have here. And so there was some complementary to the style of backs that we had in that game and yeah. certainly to what the O-line was doing. And, you know, I think David – the hard thing for David at times, if you go back and watch the West Virginia game, that's one of the best games David ever during his career here ran the ball between the tackles was because it's the first time I think he we were able to really clear it yeah. and let him get north and yeah. south and do those things. So, you know, I, I think what's exciting for us is you're getting some backs that are really good downhill runners as well. You know, they're true tailbacks, even the two guys that we recruited here, Brees Hall and Tyrell yeah. and those guys, those guys are tailbacks. David wasn't. It's hard to hard to say this, and I said this last year, and it wasn't demeaning to David. Like I really felt David had the ability to continue to get better at tailback because he was just improvising the first uh-huh. two years. You know where, and, and part of it was because we had to. You know, it, it was it was a, a must where. Last year, we were able to really allow him to be a true running back, and I think he showed great growth even in, in his play in his year last year um, because we were able to finally start moving people and reading keys. And, you know, it wasn't always perfect, and, and I think it's just because he didn't have that ability to really grow into that like some of these other guys are going to get that opportunity now. It kind of reminded me – tell me if this is accurate or not, but I've believe it or not, I've seen a lot of quarterbacks come through Iowa State who – uh, Brett Meyer is a perfect example. Right. He was an elite quarterback. Like, he was one of the best in the Big 12. He was thrown to Todd Blythe. Right. He never had a line. Right. And I felt like at the end of his career, when Brett had time, he, he didn't know what to do with it. Right. Or, and I've seen that with four or five guys here. Right. And I almost felt like that was David at some point, like what you're talking about, right. when he'd have a hole and he wouldn't necessarily hit it where you guys wanted him to because he just – he'd had to – bounce out so many times in his career is that is that fair comparison I, I think it's just getting into that groove yeah, yeah. and yeah. you know I, I think that's where there was a change and and just dealing with that but I think you saw David steadily improve as the season went on there where I think that was just another reason why I felt so comfortable with David saying you know what 
I'm ready to take this next challenge because some of those areas he needed to improve on, he really showed that improvement even as the second half of really from the Oklahoma State game where that line really took off, you saw him really start to be able to improve as well. So um, other offseason notes, Butler's gone. Is that good for Iowa State to have a couple guys like in the combine and I mean going early because I'm I've been doing this since '04. I've never had yeah. never covered a guy leave early, and you had two in one year. Well, what I what I hope is is at the end of it is here's two young guys you know that came in and had the ability to maximize their opportunity and develop. And you you could say Akeem's a great example where what he did as a redshirt freshman to what he did as a redshirt sophomore to what he did as a yeah. redshirt junior, you saw him make leaps and bounds success. To By the time at the end of his redshirt junior year, he's one of the best players at his position group in the entire country. And I think hopefully that says a lot about where our program's at and the development both physically and you know mentally he was able to make. And David, the same thing. I mean, from his true freshman year to his sophomore year to his junior year, you saw great growth and development in his game. And you saw him grow physically and mentally. And, and so I, I, I think and become one of the best running backs in college football. And so I, I, you hope that that's, that's your goal and aspirations is to develop players in this program and get them as, as young guys. And, and let them grow and become the best players at their position by the time they leave our program so we can be the best team we can be. And um, I think it says a lot about those two for sure, and I hopefully it says a lot about where our program's continuing to go. I got a lot of beef with the NFL. Yeah. I need to bounce off. Let's go. I, I love it. Well, I get annoyed with this, I probably more with basketball, where they seem to – undervalue guys who have stuck it out for like four years or five right. in the case of Brian Peavy. Right. right. And I felt like this with Niang specifically when right. he let it's, I have a feeling that Mary Al will probably have the same yeah. situation where he's a guy who could go and help an NBA team. Right. But they may not draft him because, Oh, he's a fifth year guy. And he, right. I, I feel like it's a league that's just too obsessed with measurables. Right. Like, because PV to me, mm-hmm. like, you can't tell me right. that he couldn't go right in and help an right. NFL team. Right. It's so, like, even if it's special teams or what, like, the guys, like, <clears throat> the pro football focus stats of him have been off the charts right. in the best passing league in college football for three years in a right. row. He's right. been ranked like top five. It's incredible. And he doesn't even get a combine in. Right. It bugs yeah. me. You know, I, I think it's, it's fascinating. Now, I, I will say, different than basketball in some way, shape, or form, that you're talking in football that the measurables are, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. I I think the measurable piece, you look at the exact science that these NFL GMs and these NFL programs have, and it's really, there's no difference in recruiting and and drafting and signing young men as free agents. What I think Brian and Brian knows this and Brian would sit here and tell you this because we've talked about this a lot of times like Brian, Brian was fighting and has always will fight. He's never going to win the measurable test. No. And, and God didn't bless Brian to be six two. But what Brian's always done is exactly what he needs to do to not only get in the league. And this is where I think sometimes people get you get frustrated. But it's the reality of it. It's a measurable league. 
places you where you're going to go. But the NFL is all about staying power. Like, it's not where you start this thing in the NFL. Yeah. It's can you get to a second contract? Can you stay and sustain in the National Football League? And I think that's one of the things that I even go back to our Toledo days. And you see the amount of guys that are still playing right now in the yeah. National Football it's League. a lot of them, yeah. And that's what I hope to give our kids more than anything, that our guys leave our program like Brian Peavy. And you go back and watch that film of Brian Peavy's senior year and doing it injured from really oh, yeah. fall camp on. And I really, I think it's a day, Chris, you were here as Brian gets <laughs> it was. injured. It right? was, yeah. And nine out of ten guys, they're done for the year. Well, Brian played. And he not only played, his senior year, his production, I mean, the play he makes at Kansas, the a couple of the batted ball down – plays that he makes he's one of those guys that when you turn the videotape on and that still matters because that what that's what stays at that level yeah eventually the videotape's got to come on at that level and you got to produce so however and wherever you get slotted in at the end of it you got to be able to produce to stay and I think that's the one thing about Peeve that yeah, he didn't get to the combine because he's not a six-foot corner. He's not, you know, and, and I don't know if Brian Brian may run really well. Brian may not run. Like, what, whatever the fact of the matter. But when you put Brian into a competitive environment and you get him one-on-one in a high-level competitive environment, he's got to go make that open field tackle. He's got to make a play on the ball. He's proven that time and time again. So when he's going to get that opportunity, because he's going to get it, yeah. whether it's as, as a late-round draft pick, it's a priority free agent, he's going to get that opportunity. Yeah. He's going to have the opportunity to stay and make it because he's done it and done it over and over and over again. And he's almost had a chip on his shoulder. And to me – I love guys like that. Like, you win and you change cultures with guys like that. Well, yeah, because I just – I feel like it's so hard at that level. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a guy like him, to me, like, it was another – like, and, and it didn't turn out as yeah. well, but I thought Jake Knott would be a guy back right. in the day because he just, like he, – he had the same deal. He kind of right. had the nonstop. And I think had he not had injuries, sure. he probably would have right. stuck it out in the NFL. Um I, I'm I'm bothered by by that because I'm a I'm a big draft guy and I I'm, I just kind of roll my right. eyes at it a lot of times, but it's changing, I, right? Like, yeah, like, and, yeah and, it and, is. I feel like guys like Peeves have a better chance now. And and even you know, and you and I had this conversation a year ago where you know we're we're talking about the Browns and who they should take, you know, with well, the quarter yeah. in the quarterback situation, yeah, yeah. right? But you know. Five years ago, and I, I'm listening to this right now, even in the draft of, of you know, with Oklahoma's quarterback this year. You it's know, the is, hot topic right now. Is is height and, and, and – but the NFL is finally changing a little bit, Chris, where I think what's happening is the college game has changed. Well, ultimately now the pro game has to change because we are the farm system. You know, there's no D league yeah. like there is in basketball. Yeah. There's no minor leagues like there. We're the farm system, and the the reality of it is, I think the NFL was so slow to change because this is how we're always doing it. This is uh-huh. we are taking this size quarterback, and he's got to have these traits. I mean, how long have we heard that? Well, all of a sudden now, Baker Mayfield and Mahomes and these guys who. They're running an open style of offense. They're running an up-tempo offense in college. Well, so now all of a sudden they're adapting to it in the college, in the pro yeah. ranks, and they're running these things where I think some of this is changing. You know, it, 
because it all falls back to Parcells has got a great, you know, once you take an exception, you become a team of exceptions. That was his, right, that that was Parcells built the Giants and Belichick is yeah. kind of, yeah. but Belichick's changed even over the last four or five years of that mentality where, man, I, that character and that trust and I want to coach guys that are going to do it right you know, that's what he's taken and won with. And, and he's fortunate he's got a, one guy, the quarterback, that, that's going to demand everybody to do it right. But I still think the Brian Peavy's of the world, those teams that are sustaining success at a high level, they're made up of guys like Brian Peavy. Okay, so I'm a leech disciple. Right. Have been, always will be. He, I think, is getting a good laugh over watching the NFL right now right. compared to what – I mean, I remember when he started, uh, when Bryles popped up and, you know, all those guys were starting to do this. Sure. Oh, this isn't football. And, right. you know, they, they caught a lot of hell there right. for a while. Um, so what you just said kind of answers my question. So I, I, I'm a fan of this. Like, I'm, I've never been a Kansas City Chiefs fan in my life, right. but I'm rooting like hell for them because I like Mahomes. I like that style of football. Right. Watched it for a really right. long time. And I feel like it, it's validating a little bit what I've said for the last 10 years. But my question is, it's, I'll make a point and then I'll ask you the question. It's difficult to just well, – my beef with the NFL in this offseason, I feel like you got a lot of guys who are blindfolded throwing darts right now. Right. And I don't know if all these things are going to work because it takes the right type of culture and the right type of fit. I don't think you can just go, oh, hey, uh, we're – all right, Cleveland, we're going to run the Leech right. Air Raid. You've right. got to have the right guys and the right minds and the right players right. around it, and I don't want to see it fail. Right. Well, culture and fit are really big, and I think that's when you look in the National Football League. And you, you I think one of the great challenges at that level, there's, there's three people that have ownership in what's going on. The, the owner, mm-hmm. <laughs> the GM, mm-hmm. and then the head football coach. And, you know, you have to tailor every organization. And it's not just football or sport. It's anything. If you're going to have success, everything has to be aligned going in the same direction. And, you know, I think one of the things that, that you see is, yes, the air raid or the spread offense is changing the quarterback style in terms of the National Football League. But you can't just say you're a spread. Even those air raid teams, you can't just say you're one thing at any level. Yeah, It's all got to align to what you're trying to get accomplished. And my point is, you look at the Patriots. Why, why is New England successful? Well, number one, there's one guy making all the decisions. Yeah. And that's the head football coach who slashed the GM, who slashed the president, and he's got complete ownership of everything that's going on. He also has such a brilliant football mind that they've been the spread RPO yeah. with, with their quarterback. Mm-hmm. When they haven't had the receivers, well, you saw even this year, they're the eye formation. They go win the Super Bowl literally in the eye, running the, running the power and deep play action passes. And in the heat of the moment, he stays in that 22 personnel. Yeah. He jumps in the empty yeah. and darn it. You know what? He gets in the play man coverage and they, and, and he, he wins that, the game. That it's McDaniel story is awesome. It's how they hadn't practiced it. Right. And right. they just, they figured it out on the sidelines. Like how many, how many pro- programs, football 
right. high school through the pros could right. do anything like and, that. And you know where they do it more? I'll be honest with you, Chris, probably in high school football more than anywhere else. Really? Because in my opinion, high school football still, the great high school coaches – are the best coaches in sport because they're willing to adapt to their personnel yeah. rather than saying the ego of this is who we are. Yeah. This is what we're running. Whether I got the guys or not, we're going to run it. We're going to run it this way because this is what I know and this is what we're doing. Where, you know, coming from a father that was a high school football coach, like, man, you every year you had to change and adapt to your personnel because maybe one year we're running the triple because that's what we that's what our quarterback can do and the next year we're going to run Interesting. you know the, you know and i think that's we forget that and i think even at our level we forget that so much and i think sometimes even in the national football league you know the guy that has had this incredible ability to adapt and that's what makes belichick the best is he's not only can adapt in in and on defense, he's he. They've run the three four. They're the four three. They're the four four. They're the four two five. They're 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 a little bit of everything. And offensively, he's done the same thing. And you know, he's got the ability to communicate that to all of his assistants, whether it's been Josh McDaniels or it's been him. Like Bill's one of those guys that's brilliant, and I think he's got such a great understanding. And I know I got teased about this a lot this year, but one thing the Patriots do better than anybody, they play complimentary football. Their yeah. offense helps their defense. Yeah, no, I their get defense it. helps their offense. Does so in your opinion, does Belichick have that success without Brady? Well, I think they complement each other. You yeah. know, I think he Do you remember the whole Drew Bledsoe deal? I do. <laughs> I do. And and I think the great thing about about Belichick is that he's had this innate ability to find somebody that loves football have complete ownership, have the same mindset that he has for the game of football, and he's been his leader in that locker room running the show. Because let's be honest, the quarterback, no matter what organization and what what level of sport, the quarterback, if he is the right guy, it's got the ability to light the fuse of any successful football team and football organization because that guy he's got the ability to impact everybody around him because everybody wants what that guy's got and that's the football I felt like Brock kind of did that for you this year I think in a lot of ways you know he had the ability to do that and you know I think that's the one thing about Brock and Kyle I think really started that because Kyle had that same he loves football like I love football. Like mm-hmm. Kyle would stay here, you know, you left early. Kyle would have stayed, you know, for, for oh, another three hours. Throw that at me again. But, okay. but, but, you know, Kyle's one of those guys. That's I'm not a, leaving this show. No, I'm can't. sleeping here on the floor. I got a couch right, right here deal. for you. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, like Kyle, Kyle's got one of those guys that would stay here till two in the morning to figure it out. Brock's, a, you know, when, when we started to recruit Brock, like, one of I told you our first conversations an hour and fifteen minutes and for the first twenty minutes get to know each other and then we're talking football and yeah. it's like you watch Brock's high school film and like you and I were talking about this about Baker Mayfield one thing about Baker Mayfield is he had he had elite ownership of the offense yeah like you weren't playing Lincoln Riley you were playing Baker Mayfield and like as soon as you thought like you were you defensively you adjusted like that guy knew the answer to it. You turn Brock's high school film on, and they're running a, a complex offense. Uh, 40 minutes of our first conversation is about, like, watching this guy manipulate the defense as a high school quarterback and have complete ownership. And, you know, what I've loved about Brock is he's that same guy, too. Like, he, like I almost have to, like, like you almost got to, like, whoa a little bit. Like, number one, he's 18 years old. Number two, like... You know, he wants to be so good, so bad, and win so bad that he wants it all 
right now where you know it's been really fun to to go through it and have somebody that's got that mentality if kyler murray played at iowa state and had a contract with the a's what would you have advised him to do Whew, i mean that's a lot of money you know i i think everybody's situation's different one thing that i do know is money is one thing but chasing your passion yeah and what your heart really is is another thing and I've always felt like in life, if you chase your passion, whatever that is, success is going to come to you yeah. and you'll you'll get whatever you want. I think the money thing is sometimes we all say this and sometimes you say, well, man, it's easy to say that. But I, I just I think chasing your passion in life, no matter what that situation is, usually ends in the right result for you. So you like him as an NFL quarterback? He's interesting. You know, he, he, he's dynamic. I, I, I even go back to our game with them this year. I oh, mean, he had that one pass. That I, I actually saw it on SportsCenter this morning. They were doing a thing on Incredible, yeah. right? And and there's, there's like three or four plays in the game where his elite athleticism, you know, he, he has the ability to improvise and make things happen that – or I, I don't know what you tell the defender or what you yeah, tell the guy. Yeah, no, I get you know? it. And he's, he's, he's one of those guys that's, that's got that. So it's going to be really fun to watch. I think the hard thing for him is, you know, Baker played for four years. That's the thing. You know, and, and Kyler's only got to, got to play, you know, 13 games is probably really what it was in, in terms of snaps. And quarterback still is a position that – the more you play, the more that end product really becomes what it is. And so um, I think it's it, – I don't know if it's fair to say this, but it's, it may be still a little bit too early to tell exactly what the end result for, for he and, and really what he can become. That's where I get a little bit cautious. Yeah. And I want Kyler to be the first pick, and I want him to sure. win because yeah. it's fun for me and it would right. be appointment TV for me on Sundays. But Baker – I just like comparing those guys just right. because they played quarterback for Lincoln Riley right. at Oklahoma. I don't think it's fair to Kyler, right? Because right. Baker, like his story, as far as um, the walk-on deal, what he went through at Tech, right. walking into Bob Stoops' office, like I don't know if I've ever covered a guy who wanted it more than him. Right. It's just in that sense, in his command of a huddle, right. and I just don't know. I, I'm not saying that Kyler doesn't have that. Right. I'm just saying that. Baker is like elite of the elite when it comes to that stuff. And I'm talking all time. And just to assume that all these guys are going to work. Because I just see, Matt, I've seen so many times in the NFL where like, oh, we're going in this direction. And then defenses figure it out. And then, oh, okay, we're going back to this. And I'm worried about that. Well, I think the two things that Baker had that are, it'd been fascinating to be on the research in last year's draft in drafting a quarterback. And I think the two things that that I love in recruiting is one thing when a young man has faced adversity in his life and has overcome it. Yeah. Because to be honest with you, <laughs> whether it's the collegiate level or the professional level, adversity's coming. It's going to hit and you're going to be defined by how you overcome adversity. Well, here, Baker Mayfield, number one, walked on to Texas Tech. Number two, the Texas Tech thing doesn't work out. He's got to go to Oklahoma. He's got to re- – he faces adversity again. He overcomes it. He over – he – achieves at the highest level so he's faced adversity then he's you know facing the adversity of he's too short to play in the national football league you know he's got a chip on his shoulder coming into it 
this guy's already proven twice yeah. to overcome adversity when they said you can't, and he did. The second thing is, and, and you hit the nail on the head, is you're talking four years as a starter in a system, in an offense, and he proved to master it. Mm-hmm. And that is so critical to success at that next You're mastering a craft, and quarterback's a craft. Playing offensive line is a craft. Like You can't shortcut the process to, to become a master at that craft. And, you know, that's where sometimes some of these quarterbacks, and I, I think it's a little bit amazing what the guy, you know, Mitch Trubisky's done at the Bears. Yeah, he, he's a good example. He, he's had some success. Now, has he had the Baker Mayfield success, at least in year one? No, no. He's on a, he was on a better team, probably more accomplished team. But year two, he had some really high end success. But you got to remember, he only started one year in North Carolina, and mm-hmm. so I think, you know, a Kyler Murray's in that boat where, yeah, they're they're, it's still even though there's a lot of real positive things that have occurred, and and man, I think he's an amazing talent. There's still a little rawness there that you, you you still don't know exactly what the end potential is. What you do know is elite athleticism, elite competitor, and a guy that's proven that he can step in and, and certainly be successful to what extent at that level. I still think time will tell. Have you watched any of this alliance yet? You know, I, I have, and, and uniquely, um, you know, this the team that Joel's on in San Antonio has not only Joel, his roommate is J. Ron Elliott, who played for me at at, uh, at University of Toledo, and then the quarterback, obviously, also played for me at the University yeah. of Toledo. So, you know, I feel like if, if I got to root for a team right that's now, my that's, team my, that's my team. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I, I've watched enough, and I got a couple of those. As a matter of fact, I got last week's game that I haven't turned on yet, but I got it taped. So, so I, 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 I'm, I, it's I'm, a fun game. It, it, it is a good game. Yeah. It is a good it's, game. It's good to see Spurrier back there. Well, yeah, you know, I saw his comment after, uh, you know, and he's already taken jabs at everybody, which oh, I love awesome. about it. You know, it's after, awesome. after last week's game, so I appreciate that. I enjoy it. it. It's fun. Like it, go into it and you know have an open mind, and you, you've heard of like half the guys who are out. It's right. a fun league. I hope it lasts. I, I do too, and and because I think it gives the NFL that bridge that it's been looking for probably when they had NFL Europe and I'm probably too young to even make an educated comment on what NFL Europe was for the National Football League but I think that there's yeah, I kind of remember those I think there's a fine line and you know I, I what's interesting just watching enough of of these these games so far is the two areas that are I would say still a little bit raw is the offensive line play and the quarterback play which you would suspect is probably, you know, needs the most development. And if you're you're a guy that's probably even good enough, you're on a practice squad or you're you're playing in the National Football League. But I think if, if this can be a feeder system that can develop the O-linemen, that can develop quarterbacks, you're always going to have plenty of – I think you're always going to have a surplus of D-linemen and skilled players that are right on that verge of playing in the National Football League are good enough to play in the National yeah. Football League or good, not – but uh, those other two areas, I think it can really help growth in the National Football League. Little uh, spoiler, Spurrier kept getting Joel singled up on receivers. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a tough deal. It was on. on Poor, yeah, I mean, wasn't anything Joel could do. No, no. Whoever his coordinator is. Got to help him out. Needs a tongue lashing. Yeah, got to help. Got to Coach Acock would have just <laughs> dropped somebody else underneath him, you know? Um, did you um, – how are you doing with the LeBron thing this year? Are you watching the Cavs? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm totally you're, out. You're out. Yeah, and, and I, I, I'm, I feel like he's having a rough go. Like his, his LeBron is. Um, 
well, he can't be the GM of the Lakers. So, you know, he was he's trying. He, he's trying. He's trying. <laughs> and and uh, you know what? New Orleans kind of kind of put him in his place a little bit. So, you know, I, I think the reality of it for me is I, I've been so concentrated on Cyclones hoops right now. And, yeah, I, and you know, I'm a hoops guy. And, yeah. and I'm, I've got it, you know, I got it down that I'm, I'm kind of been my all my focus and energy has been on these Cyclones. I'm having a hard time. So the Bulls were always my team yeah. growing up. And they fire Fred. Which is fine. I understand it's business. Right. I would never denounce a team because they fired a coach. Right. But, man, like the Yahoo's running the show there. Um, and it, when you combine that with the fact that the, I, the players are making it really difficult, I think, for fans to, like, root for individual teams. Because right. they just – they have so much control, like you're right. talking about. We're like, I'm, I'm like, you know, longtime Bulls fan, and I know because of our management, nobody wants to go play there. Like, we're not going to be relevant for 10 years right. well, at just, this point. And, and you say the exact same thing, and it's the same thing in Cleveland. Like, who wants to go there? And that that's probably why LeBron went to L.A. because he yeah. figured he could recruit better out in L.A. than he could in Cleveland. And the reality of it for me is, is I think that's the one thing. Do I love NBA basketball when it comes to playoff time? Yeah, I do. Should I have to love a sport that I have to wait till the playoffs occur? Right? Like literally yeah. a paid professional, do I have to wait till yeah. the playoffs occur to, to love it? It's a fair that, critique. That's where I get frustrated. Did you um did you watch the All Star game? No. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <It's great. laughs> absolutely not. The over under was I think it closed at like three hundred and sixteen points. Yeah. And it the over hit with like nine minutes to go. <laughs> yeah. Easy bet. <laughs> Somebody could have made easy money out there. So no, absolutely not. I, didn't I actually watch. enjoyed it. I yeah. I thought I, I go into it. You did know. LeBron play or was his groin still hurt? No, he played. He did he? Yeah. So yeah. It just LeBron I feel like he's starting to be the guy who you kind of told me the last two yes. years that, you know, I think it was my frustration. I, I'm starting to see it now, though. Like he's so hypocritical in the sense that, you know, he just wants to win and do all the and, mm-hmm. and he wants like players to have all this power. Right. Yeah. He's trying to trade like seven guys on his team. Right. Like and, they have no control over that. And, and I think from LeBron's aspect of it, certainly he deserves the respect of having great knowledge and and I think when he's been at his best he's played basketball when when yeah when he was with the heat you know and and really probably playing his best he played basketball he let you know he trusted whoever was coaching he trusted the management and he played basketball and and, and that's when he's been at his best you know I think when he even last year when they didn't make the trade and he played in every game last year to his credit and almost had a chip on his shoulder to prove and will them to get to the finals, he's playing basketball. He wasn't worrying anymore about who they were trading for and maybe he had already made up his mind. But I think when he gets stuck in this GM and coach and playing role, it's almost uncomfortable to watch because you almost wow. feel bad because here's a guy that's um, an unbelievable athlete and can do and has done so much good for the game. You almost see him stuck in, in, in trying to do a lot of different things, but what he does best, which is where I think when you go back to Jordan, what did Jordan do best? He played and he was a competitor and he demanded his best and the best of everybody around him every day. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, the LeBron – I feel like there's a really good book that can be written on the different like levels of his career. Sure. Like the kid who's in Cleveland who's happy to be there to this guy who's starting to develop this brand and he leaves and he probably did the right thing when For he sure. left Cleveland. For sure. He wins his championships down there, comes back, and then there's like this redemption story. Right. 
and then something happened. Right. And well, it, I think it, he wants to own. I think he he's it, got this, and, and I've seen some of the stories written that he wants to be the owner and he wants to own an NBA organization. And then then you should go do that, you know, and because yeah. he'll probably be really good at that someday. And I hope he owns the Cavs and you know and and brings them back to prominence at some point. But to me, you're again this basketball skill at an elite level, which he's shown to be able to do. I'm sure it's a craft that you have to put all your time, energy, and focus into. And when you're starting to get off into a lot of different other things, I don't know if you, I don't know if you can be that elite to be able to be elite at all these other things and still be elite at the skill and craft that you are. So I was on this radio show in Dallas, and they were talking to me about you. Yeah. I just, I make sure. I don't think I've told you this. No. Yet. And they were asking me which NFL job you were going to take. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And I said, I go, I think Campbell down the road would be a better GM. You, it, you might be right. Like, like, like. It's not sliding you as a coach, but right. I feel like you think that way. Well, I, I, you think I like do. a GM. I, I love that. I love equal to sitting here till two in the morning watching football, which yeah. is my ultimate passion. The equal part of that is putting staffs together, getting the yeah. roster right trying to make the best roster you can have i i love that aspect yeah. of of my job and the, you know i think that's where leaving being a position coach which i adored and then leaving being the offensive coordinator which i i absolutely adored because the coordinators are just film all the time right yeah i, I think the the good ones are yeah. and i think that's what you want from those guys is you want those guys to be Whereas the head football coach, at least collegiately, you have to be the GM and the head football coach. You have to have the ability to run the whole organization. And if you're just lost in one, I think it's really hard. And that's why I said, why is Belichick the best in the business? And he does no, it all. He does it all. And he does it all really, really well. You know, there's a lot of guys that probably do it all and, you know, don't do it all really, really well. He does it all at a really elite level. And he's... Again, he's a guy that worked from the ground up, you know, from the scouting to, with his father to, you know, doing it all from the ground up. What about your boy? Um, I know your buddies with Cliff. Yeah, yeah. That, what, did that surprise you that he got that opportunity? You know, I, I think where he got that opportunity maybe makes the most sense. In fact, uh, yeah. you know, that he there's no denying that Cliff's done a phenomenal job developing quarterbacks. Yeah. And, you know, you're going into an organization, a situation where they drafted a quarterback in the first round last year. I think that's probably that organization's number one, probably struggle to why they made a coaching change. Mm -hmm. And here's a guy that's, that has a great understanding of offensive football, but most importantly, he's got a great understanding of developing quarterbacks. Yeah, and yeah. so maybe it's a great fit. And, and you know, like I said, I, I, the respect I do have for Cliff in terms of a quarterback coach and developing that quarterback, man, I, I don't know, you know, other than Lincoln Riley, I don't know if anybody's done it as well as he has. No, it's really incredible if you look at all the guys who have gone through Absolutely. what he's done. Absolutely. Because it starts at what, Keenum? For sure, in, in Houston. Yeah. Keenum, Baker, um, Mahomes. I felt like there was another one at Houston that I might be missing out on. But, yeah, it's a really incredible resume. It, basically, if he's touched a quarterback, that guy's gone on to have success. Yeah, and and like I said, I, I you know I got to first meet Cliff when, when I was at the University of Toledo as the offensive coordinator and went down and spent time with him in Houston. And 
I think one of my lasting memories was watching him out, watching spring practice and watching him out with the quarterbacks coaching. I mean, again, here's a guy that quarterback is a learned skill that did it in the national, had had elite success in yeah. college, went and played in the NFL for four years, could get out on the field and actually work with those guys. And, you know, I, I was really impressed by his teaching when I went and watched him teach and coach those guys on the field. So, um, yeah, I, I think it'll be a really interesting mix at, you know, as long as he gets good people around him and there's a good GM and I think that there's good fits around him, then it'll certainly give him a chance to be successful. Are you worried at all about Manning screwing up your quarterback? Yeah, you know, I told him, don't mess it up. You know, <laughs> you got but, a pretty good thing going. Yeah, yeah, we got a good thing going. But, you know, I, I think what – the 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 thing about Tom coming back and and really for from Brock's standpoint is number one you know offensively I think it's only not that there's a nothing changes only has a chance to take some of the knowledge that 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 Tom brings I think number one personnel wise what they did was some different stuff in 12 13 personnel which we started to do a lot more of this year but also you know I think Tom dealt with a quarterback very similar you know in Andrew Luck who hmm high end intelligence they gave a lot of the offense to working with that you know seeing how they they package their passing game and you know obviously Brock's different you know in terms of size and build a little bit but I think there's a lot of similarities too to to both of those quarterbacks that you know you we it's been really fun over the last three weeks us as a staff really getting back together and you know kind of aligning now and it gives us time even as a staff to say, here's what Brock did really well. Here's a smattering of nine games. What did he do really well? What didn't he do well? How do we really build this offense, number one, around him? And then also, let's fill in that player's formation plays. Who, where are our strengths going to be, and how can we make sure we align all that together? And I, I think even Tom having the ability to do that and see it done you know, organizationally in some different ways, I think all real positives. You're having an offensive meeting when I got here. Yeah. Like what, what's going on on February 19th? Like what are you guys doing in there? Yeah, I, I really a lot of right now is, is going back through the season, you know, watching both plays, situations, and going through everything and evaluating what went well, what didn't go well, what operationally within how we do what we do needs to either get refined or changed. And then I think the other thing right now is is the fundamental aspect of things. Like, you know, what are we doing fundamentally at each position group, why we're watching this, that we're lacking or we have to get better? And that's something that I'm really big on in terms of fundamentals. Like, what what fundamental in the heat of the moment has to show up for us to be successful at quarterback or on the offensive line or defensive mm-hmm. line or linebacker? Because to me, that's where – as we slowly right now over the next three weeks and then spring practice starts four weeks from now, slowly start to build back up, you have to start always back over at square one Mm -hmm. and you have to rebuild. And the square one starts with teaching great fundamentals. And so, you know, I I think it's a little bit of everything right now, but uh, as with our kids, it's fundamentals with our, with our coaches right now, it's evaluating the fundamentals, but also evaluating the entire picture. I know you got to go. No, go. Real quick. Um, what are we binging right now? You and the wife, are you watching anything? Well, it was House we, of Cards. We, we did. We finished House of Cards. And now, I'm like nine episodes in because right. Golish told me to. Right. And I'm really liking it. But everybody keeps telling me that it starts to suck. 
Yeah, no, I never thought it, it sucked because I was always trying to tie what politically was going on with our country now. Yeah. I thought well, that's that, a whole deal. That's a whole other podcast yeah. for me and you, which would be really fun That'd be probably. Fun. That'd yeah, be no really doubt. Good. We, Remember we when bring, Peterson like, made those accusations to you at Big 12 Media Day last year? Well, yeah, what were they, what were they about? <laughs> he goes, I assume you're a Republican because of what you make. <laughs> for sure, yeah. Of course Randy would, would, would make a comment like that. that. And he would never make an assumption without not knowing the facts, right? <laughs> But 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 I um, you know I I think the reality for us is the other area that that we do binge watch once the season gets over with is Grey's Anatomy. So oh, you're so, in on that, huh? Yeah, I just I've had to, you know, and and, my and now obsessed. that now that got in my opinion that's gotten a little bit worse as some of the characters have died off. But, yeah, when McDreamy died, I, yeah, I yeah. was out. I, I'm, I I'm with out. you. Yeah, you you tapped out, so it hasn't been the same since. So maybe they'll you know maybe they'll bring them back somehow, some way. What is it about those doctor shows? There's two things. One, all the doctors always have sex together. Right. You notice that? Yeah, like I do. it's what doc, like what do they do right. other than save lives? They just go in the back room and that's how they release their stress, yeah, I guess. Go right? at it. Right. Because my wife's a doctor. She's a veterinarian. Right. Well, and well, maybe just, that's positive. <laughs> Mike, I remember when she was in vet school, I'm like, this is not good. Like what is what's going on at break? Right. You right. know? Right. Um, and two, women love these doctor shows. Right. They're right. obsessed with them. Well, my wife watches like six of them. So my my wife has her doctorate as well. So she's an audiologist. Oh and, wow! And so she is. So I I feel like she thinks like she's in tune to like these uh, medical things. Yeah. You know, like where I'm I'm kind of like you know, are you really like I know you're a hearing doctor, but like we're talking about like we got to cut somebody's chest open here and like we got to <laughs> say that like are you ready to do that? I don't know if you are. You know. Yeah. So, but uh, <laughs> but I usually get, I get myself in trouble making that comment. So hopefully she doesn't hear this. But it is what it is. We had a um. There was a there was a show that used to be on. It was called The Incredible Doctor Pole. Hmm. Did you ever see it? No. It was on Animal Planet, and it was this <laughs> old school veterinarian. Huh. This old guy. I mean, seven. It, he may still be going at it, but he'd go and like the old school like approaches of veterinary medicine. Like they'd call him, and he'd have to go and like you know cut open a horse right. and pull the baby out. Right. And like the look on my wife's face when she was something that she actually did understand in yeah, yeah. this guy doing these like 1940 techniques, it was a horror. She, for her. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> she was. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. Well, you'll have to if if we're into the binge watching. Your your daughter's not at this stage yet, but the Campbell girls, t- ten and nine, right now. So. They're binge watching Fuller House now. Oh, yeah. the DJ is is a veterinarian, so you have oh, to tell your is. wife. So maybe that you know maybe gets you know Cam and your heard, and your wife into it. I heard that uh, doesn't like Kimmy Gibbler get pregnant or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's there's some I couldn't follow it all, I, but I gotcha. uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. Okay, so you're. So you're basically just on Grey's Anatomy. Right? Grey's Anatomy right now, but we did finish. We finished House of Cards. There was only six episodes, and this is it, which is a little bit frustrating so from you, my point. You tell you're telling me I need to keep going. With you got to go. You got to push through. I, I'm okay. telling you, in my opinion, one of the best TV shows that I've ever watched. Because I was having a hard time with it. Because like I'm really enjoying it, and everybody I talk to is like, "Oh, it starts to be just garbage." Yeah. So I, I don't want to like get let down at the end, but I'm going to go if, if you tell me. There was a lot of staff discussion, political discussions from these events. So it, it kind of, I think on the staff, our, our staff all end up binge watching it. And it's been, uh, it's been a good talking point around here. Goalish so involved? Yeah, Golish, but you know, Golish has got this Russian descent, so you know he. I feel like he's into it because, like, there. I'm still not like sold fake that news, he might Golish. not. Yeah, he's fake news, and I'm still not sold he might not be a spy. So you know, I worry about that sometimes with Golish. I uh, I just bought a book 
I was going to bounce it off of you, and I can't even remember the name of it, but it's the one about um, Bleach and the, those boys back in the 80s and, and Iowa Wesleyan. Interesting. Have you seen that one? No, I'd be interested, though. Uh, the Perfect Pass. Huh. I think it just came out like a year ago. Yeah. No, I, I didn't even know it existed. I, I know Swing Your Sword, obviously. I helped yeah. promote that in, yeah. through the bowl season. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I – <laughs> That was great. That was a good line. <laughs> yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen this. I haven't seen this book. Did, do you have any good leech stories from that? No. You know, honestly, I, I – I really did. the The only thing I, I appreciated is pregame. I so I'm I'm a spark guy at times. You know, once the football oh, season's yeah. around, fired so up. I, I walk out and before the game, you know, he's got his he's got his white coat on and he's got a he's got a bottle of water with spark in it. And I said, Coach, is that spark? And uh, he's like, yeah, how'd you know? And I, I said, well, you know, I'm a spark guy too. He's like, I knew it. He's like, I knew you. You probably have already had three of these before this game started. <laughs> so I, I did. Like, I appreciate that about him. But honestly, I, I uh, a lot of respect for him. And, and we actually were able to have some really good conversations outside of, you know, the hoopla of things and, and just appreciate who he is. And, and like I said, he's one of those coaches that he's going to do it his way. He really believes in it. And, um, you know, he's had great success doing it that he way. He should go – before he's done, I want to see him coach an NFL team. Yeah, that'd be fascinating. Wouldn't it be awesome? Could you imagine the the conversations and the, like those oh. pregame speeches to those guys? Oh my god, it'd be it'd be fascinating. Throw hard knocks response. on Leach's team. It'd be unbelievable, and he would love it because he would he's be fascinated. By, he's a he's a phenomenal showman. Would you want that if you were an NFL coach? Oof. It's a lot of pressure. Look at your boy from the Browns and all the heat he got from it last year. Yeah, and probably some of it deservedly so. Oh, right? yeah. But, yeah, I, I think that's really hard. Like, again, like, I think uh, – shoot, I don't even want the I, – I don't even want the spring game televised, you know, let alone – Yeah, you do don't I, even <laughs> let us, like, into anything. Yeah, let alone <laughs> let alone do I want, you know, hard knocks here doing, doing our deal. I just think there's an intimacy and a privacy yeah, about coaching and teaching, teaching, and I still think at that level, even though – it's almost overbranded in the National Football League. I still think there's some intimacy to, to really what goes on and in, in the whole operation of All it. All right, last thing I got yeah. for you, and then I'll let you go. Because this is when Baker – so when Hugh Jackson's on the sideline for the Bengals. <laughs> right. And Baker's like taunting him. Yes. Man, now you talk about um, firing people up mm-hmm. in it from both sides. Because mm-hmm. you had the meat, like, and I'm like, hell yeah, Baker. Like, mm-hmm. in – I understand the side, like, why are you taunting a guy who <laughs> took a job? Right. You know, it's not like he – Right. He, he was unemployed, right. and he's he's making – I get all that. But I had to explain to it, no, that's just Baker. Right. Baker spent his whole life convincing himself that all these people are doubting right. him, and right. that's why he's great. It's, right. You can't just turn that off. No. That's how I was. What did you think about that whole deal? Uh, yeah, I loved it because – cause and, and I know I, 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 I love doing things the right way in class. And, but what you said is exactly what makes us tick, and it's exactly what I feel like makes that guy tick, is he feels he's the underdog yeah. every step of the way. And the reality of it is is he, that's what drives him. And to be honest with you, it's what makes that guy really special is he's got that it factor, and I bet he's got that it factor in every competitive thing he touches. Can't we just compare that to Iowa State in general, though? Right. Like, I, I, was, like, I think Iowa State's trending in a really great direction right. right now. But I feel like if if the institution, like in the athletic department, would ever lose that chip, right. that'd be a bad thing. Right. I, well, I, I agree with you. I think that's what makes – it's what makes our fan base special. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's what makes – I think it's why the fans are so supportive and everything. For sure. 
for sure. Because they feel like it's like us against the world. Right. That type of mentality. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and and to be honest with you, it is. <laughs> and so You're right. It's kind of that uh, – It's it again, I, I've said this a couple times this offseason. It's why you absolutely adore being here and you love – stepping into work every day knowing that you have that mentality because everything you do has the ability to impact and only thrust that forward in a positive way but and you know it's everybody together and it's the fan base it's the administration it's the people that are all going to kind of with that chip on their shoulder to say man we're, we're ready to prove it prove it to everybody all right i kept you about seven minutes late that's all right i apologize right. for you anything i apologize um, it's an open conversation anytime you want. All right. I, it, at some point, like we were going to talk UFOs and stuff. We've talked about that in the past. We, yeah. we didn't have time today. Well, that'll be, that'll be part two. <laughs> so there's a good show that you should watch now. All right. It's called project blue book. All right. History channel. All right. It's the true stories of this doctor who the air force hired back in the fifties to hmm. investigate UFOs. I'm interested. Yeah, so like this guy was a skeptic and didn't he didn't think that they were real, and then he kept finding all this evidence of them, and they actually had some encounters, hmm. and then the government basically just blew the whole thing up because this guy was going to go off with his with the truth. Project Blue Book. Yeah. All right, I'm going to mark that down. It's, it's that, that that is up my alley. Yeah. That, that that may have to wait till the summer after we get through spring ball, but I, I'm I'm interested. Well, you got you got four weeks. Oh no, we're 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 cooking on all cylinders right all now. Right. Thanks, Coach. All right, thanks for having me. Appreciate your time. Appreciate it.